we have some shifts that are taking place on our team, and I wanted to highlight those this morning, and we wanted to pray over uh, Danny and over Jonathan and Rachel. So let me give you a little tiny bit of back, back story on, on this. Um, a few years ago, um, Danny and Danielle Hall, they, uh, they, were gra- they graduated from Eastern Oregon University, and they went down to uh, Life Pacific College. They felt like God had a call on their life for ministry, and they went, it makes sense, like I have a call in my life for ministry, I will go to Bible college. It ended up not being the best experience, but through that, we were able to make a good connection, and we saw and recognized just an affinity for life and fantasy football and uh, sports <laughs> and, and doing things and mentoring and discipling, and just a good connection was made, and in that time of them going, we're down here at, life, at Bible college, but we're not sure what what's next what ministry looks like we feel like there's a call in our life we actually were able to invite them to move up here and to be a part of our team and at that time Kate and I were still leading Anthem our school of ministry our school of leadership we were leading that and Danny and Danielle came and and they volunteered for a while and eventually joined our team eventually became a paid position and then down the road as as Kate and I became the senior leaders of this church we had to give up the leadership of Anthem so Danny stole it from us and, um, and in, a, in a really cool way that, that the Holy Spirit orchestrated it, that Danny and Danielle were able to take the leadership of Anthem. And, um, and God has used them powerfully over these years, and we have loved having them be a part of this house and, and what God has done. And um, so we're going to miss them when they uh, change from that role to another role in the house, um, which is this. They're going to be, <laughs> I'm messing with you, I'm sorry. They're going to be moving to, Danny is going to be moving to a role of uh, what we are calling storyteller. So he is going to be the house storyteller for Living Waters, for uh, the region, for what God is doing. You're like, wait, a storyteller? That's right, he's going to be telling story. You may have noticed some of the creative um, quality that has increased over the last couple weeks or months of the things that are coming out and and the testimonies and the story and even the like the videos for intimacy the videos for identity the videos for inheritance those are all things that Danny's been working on so what he's going to be doing is creatively and through art and through video through photography he's going to be telling the story of what God is doing both in the house and and the culture of what God's doing here but also sharing the story with the city of what God is doing and so his creative curator creative content curator whatever you want to call it I'm just calling him a storyteller because he's going to be telling the story of what God's doing he's going to be releasing testimonies he's going to be helping us minister and share things and and I know it's probably not a uh, a pastoral role that had, would have been on people's radar five years ago but this is something that is our reality right now and there are so many people that need and want connection that can have connection so Danny's literally going to be leading and pastoring this role and this assignment and it's going to be a powerful and amazing thing as we watch it unfold and uh, so Danny is going to be doing that and we're so so excited for that so let's give Danny a hand um if you notice uh, him around here with a camera from time to time, the reason is is that he is documenting what God is doing and he wants to tell stories and he wants to be able to release that um, in a wider audience and he wants to also be able to document that. We want the history also of what God is doing. There's been whole years that have gone by where we're like, do you remember that men's retreat we had? No, not really. We did it and then we rushed on to the next thing. It's going to be fun to be able to have some documentation of things. But uh, of course, if, you, if, if I want us to be comfortable 
around uh, the technology. I want us to be comfortable around the camera. But if you uh, are in a place where you're like, I really don't want my picture on there because I'm uh, in, in uh, yeah, yeah, witness protection. Uh, just go, <laughs> go and tell Danny, and uh, he won't be offended if you say, oh, I would rather not have my picture taken. And it, it doesn't have to just be witness protection. I'm kidding. Sometimes there's little things here and there where it's just, and we want to be able to have an open conversation with that. We want this to be an o- open and safe place as always. But from time to time as we're having an event, if we're doing something, there may be somebody, Danny might be there snapping some pictures and documenting some things. And so um, anyway, that's what Danny's going to be doing. And then with Anthem, where'd they, where'd they, hey, there they are. Um, you moved. Uh, Jonathan and Rachel were Anthem students years and years and years ago. You guys may remember them um, before they were in love. And uh, in the process of being here, we fell in love with them. And uh, honestly, we loved what God was doing in them, who they were. They did eventually end up getting married and all of that. But in the meantime, our hearts were connected with theirs. And we had always dreamed, Kate and I had always dreamed of a place or a time when they could come back and be a part of this team and be a part of this house and be a part of what God's doing. They went on and moved to Reading for a while. They went up to Warner Pacific and graduated from college up there. And and, uh, and then through a series of amazing, miraculous circumstances, they were able to get a place here and move back to the valley. And, uh, and what we've watched in the gifts and the heart that they have is just perfect timing of the Holy Spirit to be able to say, as Danny moves into this gift and passion where we're watching him rise up into it and come alive in it, that Jonathan and Rachel are stepping into Anthem and they're alive in it and they have a passion for it. And so they're going to be leading our Anthem, our, our school of leadership or whatever it's going to end up being called. They're leading it into the future. And this is, and I said this first service, but I want to say it again, is just us equipping you and releasing you guys to do what God has put on your heart. We're not giving you this to manage it. We're not giving it to you to say, keep it just like this. We're giving it to you guys because we see the call and anointing on your life. So craft it to whatever it will become, and it'll always be a part of us. It'll always be a part of this house, and we're excited for that. And so they're going to be shifting into that role. Hey, more good news. Woo, there's your announcements. All right. Um, so here's what... Uh, Here's what I want to do. I want to have Jonathan and Rachel and Danny come up here. Um, is Danielle here? Okay, you guys come on up. And anybody on the team that would come on up, we just want to lay hands on them and pray over you guys and honor you guys. What's that? Somebody take a picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. You guys mind standing with us? It's just a sense of honor. We stand to honor people. We stand to honor gifts. And um, extending your, your hands and your hearts this way over them, that this would not, wouldn't be something we're just doing as a religious exercise on a Sunday morning, but believing that God is doing a supernatural transaction, that the Holy Spirit is downloading into them everything that they need and more for this season that's ahead of them. So, Danny, we love you. We honor you. We honor you for all that you have done, all that you have poured into Anthem, for students and graduates that are even in this place right now, that your life has marked theirs because of your obedience, because of your willingness to walk in your identity as a son, your willingness 
to be able to say, I, I don't have it all figured out about my age, but I want to be a father. And you have stepped into that father mantle in a powerful way. And you have fathered people that are older than you, that are younger than you, just pouring into them, discipling them, and mentoring them. And we honor you for that. And we ask God that you would give back an increase to Danny. Everything that he's given, everything that he's poured out, everything that he has laid down would be increased and given back to him for your purposes and for your kingdom. And as he's come alive, in this role and in this passion, God, that you would bless him and he would flourish and that the testimony of your goodness would be released from this place in Jesus' name. And for Jonathan and Rachel, we love you guys and we bless you and we honor you. We are so thankful for the way that the Father orchestrates our lives to weave us into places like this where we get to stand in awe of what he's doing, what he has done to bring us to this place. We fully release you to hear God, to dream with him, to run with the Holy Spirit, to invite people to come and to join you, to call people to come be shoulder to shoulder with you, that you guys would have a mantle of leadership that's released upon your life. And as I said in first service, I believe that people are going to come from the nations to be a part of what you're doing, not because you guys are so amazing, which you are amazing, but also because of the anointing that's on your life to lead people, to, to invest in people, and to call them out into their greatest identity as sons and daughters of who they are in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit and that people are going to come from all over to be a part of that and not only are they going to come from all over but you guys are going to send them out to all over because of the mantle and the leadership and the heart that you guys carry powerfully in Jesus name we pray amen 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 <laughs> yeah you got hugs first service so thumbs up Now, speed preaching. <laughs> You'd think I would cut content. No, I'm just going to go faster. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. Uh, I really, I, I really want to save some time. Um, I was watching what God was doing first service. Some of you probably noticed that this place was still full when you came in. Watching what Holy Spirit was doing was powerful after, sir, after um, I was done preaching, because I was finished, not because it was amazing. Um, and uh, it's a joke, it's a joke. But God was ministering. And as we took communion together, as we prayed together, as we allowed Holy Spirit to move, so I want to, to make and craft space for that. So, but I, I want to talk a little bit quickly about inheritance. As you know, we teach at the beginning part of the year, every year at Living Waters, we teach on intimacy for about a month at the beginning part of the year because we believe that everything flows out of our unbroken intimacy with the Father and His love for us. And that out of that place, we discover our identity and we can walk in our identity. And that's why the next month we talk about identity. And then this, this third month, usually the month of March, we talk about inheritance. What does it look like to live fully alive? What does it look like to take all that Christ is and have it come to bear, not just on what He's done for us, spiritually or what he's done for us in the future but how that comes to bear on our lives right now and what that living that out looks like and so that's what 
we want to talk about today. And Drew did a great job last week. If you guys haven't had a chance to, you can get onto our website at any time and you can download that message. He did uh, a powerful, he gave a powerful word setting a foundation for inheritance that was really well done. And I would, I would encourage every single one of you to listen to it. And that saves me from having to repeat the foundational things and we can build off of that. And and, uh, and set ourselves up this morning really for some ministry time and for this place of communion where we remember the completed work of Christ and we allow it to come to bear on our hearts and our minds. And I want us to understand that communion is not a religious exercise that we do because we're in church, but we are believing that this is a supernatural exchange. We've heard so many testimonies of people going to communion and, and, and remembering the work of Christ and what he has accomplished, and why, and, and, and asking him to search our hearts, and search our minds, and that there is such a powerful supernatural transaction. We've heard story after story of lives and minds being set right, of bodies being healed, of, of marriages being shifted just through the act of taking communion together and setting our hearts on the Lord. And so we want that to be what we focus on this morning, and expecting Holy Spirit to move powerfully. When we teach about inheritance, this is what I come back to. I come back to this question. What are we going to do with everything that we've been given? That's what inheritance is, is what do we do with everything, all the things that we've been given, that we would believe that because of Christ, that we can walk in power, that we are, are naturally supernatural, that we don't have to be weird supernatural to try to work it up, but that we know step and step, day and day, that we are carrying the Holy Spirit, we are carrying the fullness of God, and in the fullness of God, that makes us naturally supernatural, that we are living victoriously, that we have healthy relationships, that we are powerful and free, and hope-filled people. You've heard me say, I want us to walk into a room and be the most, most hope-filled people in that room. Why wouldn't we be when we know and believe and understand and have experienced the work of Jesus Christ in our life? The, the inside, the reality of us being free, it is for freedom that I've set you free that Jesus says that reality of freedom in our life would become the manifest reality around our life, that we would bring hope and joy and peace and freedom and power and love to every single person that we encounter, that our relationship wouldn't be about a little private ceremony inside our hearts, but it would also be about an expression of that ceremony, that truth, that reality, that intimacy turning its way out and influencing the people and the places that God has called us to interact with and the places that God has called us to go. We are advancing a kingdom, a supernatural kingdom of Jesus Christ, and we get to walk that out as our reality becomes heaven's reality. On earth as it is in heaven, that we experience that and we believe that and we know it, and that is what the reality that is manifesting around our life on an everyday basis. And that's why, to me, identity is so important. We will either live as sons and daughters with a good father or we will live as slaves who are trying to earn our inheritance as a wage your inheritance is a gift procured by the completed work of jesus christ if we don't believe that we will think we have to earn it by serving or slaving away to please the father and to earn his attention to earn his affection to earn his power or his miracles because we have done everything perfectly or done everything right as a servant, a job, and a wage. John 15, 15 says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and through his disciples talking to us. 
I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you enemies. I no longer call you slaves. I no longer call you broken or shamed or whatever it might be. He says, this is no longer, I'm not calling you these things anymore. Because servants don't know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The first thing about our inheritance is that we know what it is because Jesus came to demonstrate it to us and to show it to us. And he came to make the father known to us. The reason that he's not calling us servants is that we don't just go do a task, come back and say, what now? Okay, I'll do this. And what now? Now we do this. We're sons and daughters. We're friends because he said, I want to make everything known to you that you would be able to embrace that revelation and walk in that revelation, not as a slave, but as a friend. One of the things that enabled Jesus, I believe, to walk freely is that he understood that even as a son, because his identity as a son was secure, he was able to serve. Check this out in John 13, 3. This is right before Jesus is bending down to wash his disciples' feet, and he washed their feet, and it said this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. The first thing is that Jesus wasn't scrapping for authority. He wasn't trying to prove his authority. He knew his authority, and because he knew his authority, he was able to serve. The problem with people who don't know their authority and their identity, when they serve, they fear that that's going to become their identity. So when they're sweeping, they're like, I'm, not, I'm so much better than this. I can't believe you have me sweeping this thing. Why am I sweeping this thing? This is not, I can't, people are going to think that I'm just a, a janitor. I should be. I should be in charge of this or in charge of that. Why? Because your identity isn't secure in the authority that God has given you. Therefore, you're afraid that if you serve, that your identity is going to come from that. But Jesus had a different revelation and said, I'm a son. My authority comes from the Father, and therefore I can serve. I can wash them. What's the lowest job that I can do? I don't care. Let me do that because it expresses love and expresses a servant's heart, and no one's going to think, oh, you're just the water boy that comes and washes feet. No, they know who this is, because his authority was tied directly to the Father. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his feet. He knew where he had come from. He knew that he'd come from God, and he knew that he was returning to God. He had that revelation that said, I know where I'm from, and I know where I'm going, because I know where I'm from, and I know where I'm going, and I know that the authority is from God. I'm able to serve. We have too many people that are insecure in their identity as sons and daughters and they're afraid to serve people and they're afraid to get down on their knees and get dirty into people's lives and to, to wash people's feet and to have hearts break with others because we're, we're insecure in our own identity. What I want us to have is the fact that says my authority comes from the Father. I know where I'm coming from and I know where I'm going and because that is set, I can serve anybody. Give me a broom. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change my identity. It doesn't change my position. We want to be people who serve one another as Christ served us. And we can do that as he, know, as he did because he knew that he was a son. When we don't realize that piece of identity, when we don't realize who we are in Christ, our faith can become crippled. We don't feel worthy to access our inheritance. We don't feel worthy to exercise the authority that we have in Christ. And if we don't feel worthy to access it or to exercise that authority, then we aren't going to be doing it with the zeal and the power that God wants us to do it in and with that faith that he wants us to move in. And we will lack assurance in we're, as we're stepping out in boldness. We have to have that piece of identity in place that says, this is who I am. I am a son. I am a daughter. And when I step out, I'm stepping out in faith. 
I'm not getting ripped off. I don't lack assurance. I know who I am. And when we know who we are, we can step out in faith and we can step out in boldness and we can watch as God shows up to minister through us and to reach other people's hearts and to demonstrate his love to one another. Our enemy, in that piece on, on identity, our enemy works diligently to program our minds and to program our hearts to feel unworthy to access the fullness of our inheritance in Christ. He doesn't have to get us. He doesn't have to fight with us or contend with us directly if he can get us to believe that we're not worthy to access and function our full inheritance. He doesn't even have to fight you anymore because you have believed that you are not worthy to pick up the sword to pick up the shield, to walk into the place and do the things that God has called you to do. The enemy doesn't have to fight you if you don't think you're worthy to carry the weapons. And so he's not going to constantly, he's going to constantly work at undermining your value and your identity as a son or a daughter so that you will believe that you're unworthy to do the very things that scripture says I've created for you in advance to do. So what we have to do is we have to keep coming back to that place of saying, Father, I want to stand before you and I want the, re- the revelation of my identity as a son, my re- the revelation of my identity as a daughter to be the constant that is being poured into me that I know that you have equipped me to serve, to win, to fight, to grasp onto the fullness of the inheritance that you have for me, God. This is what we want to do is that we would have that reality that we would be convinced that we can access all that Christ is and that it is for us, that none of us are disqualified because it's not you, it's the completed work of Jesus Christ alone. And that's the only reason that we even have an inheritance. Why? Because we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. His victory is our victory when we live in him. That is our inheritance. Romans 8, 15 and 7, 15 through 17. You guys know this verse. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's the peace. You received the spirit, not of fear that would rip you off from grabbing onto your identity and walking in your inheritance. You didn't receive a spirit of fear. You received a spirit that, that allowed, the Holy Spirit that allows us to say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Abba, Father, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we persevere with him, that we may also be glorified together. I love that, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Where are we seated now? Ephesians 2, we know this, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. We are a demonstration of God's grace and power than when we know and believe that we are raised with Christ and seated with him, that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, that we are seated with Christ. And what does this mean? This means that we have been given every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3, that we, you and I, in Christ, as we remain in him, that his victory is our victory, that we remain in Christ, that we have been given every spiritual blessing to be able to walk out the things that God has for us to walk out. And that, to me, is what inheritance looks like in its most basic form. I wrote it down like this. This is what inheritance is. All that God is accessed by faith in Jesus Christ and made manifest in us and around us by the indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a mouthful. If I could shrink it down and say, what is our inheritance? Our inheritance is victory. 
That's what I want us to grab onto this morning is understanding that this may be what it sounds like if we're really fancy. All that God is accessed by faith in Jesus Christ made manifest in us and around us by the indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But what does it look like? It looks like victory. His victory is our victory because he has completed the work. He has given us victory over death. He has given us victory over sin. He has given us victory over hatred, victory over hopelessness, victory over selfishness, victory over disobedience, victory over our circumstances. Does that mean that we just pretend that everything is okay? Oh, my circumstance, how are you doing? Great. I have victory. Woo! This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that just because we say we have victory over our circumstances, that it means that all of our circumstances are suddenly going to be worked out perfectly or that we have to pretend like nothing is ever wrong. It just means that my circumstances don't get to determine my level of hope and joy and victory that I carry because these things will pass away, but his love remains. His victory remains. And even though it might be hard, and it is hard, it is temporary and if we lose hope the enemy has won but if we remain hope filled in the work of Christ and in the victory of Christ we can go through hard things and come out the other side actually stronger and closer to those around us and closer to the Lord than when we walked in glory in our sufferings Romans chapter 5 But we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character produces what? Hope. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus said it this way, these things I've spoken to you. He gave his disciples a lot of warnings about things that would be difficult. John 16, 33, I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. What he did is he just rattled off a list of things that people put their peace, found their peace in. And he was like, that's going to fall, that'll shake, that'll shake, that'll shake. That. I've told you these things, why? Because you can't put your peace in these. I want you to have peace in me. In this world you will face trials, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Victory over circumstances, victory over disobedience, victory over selfishness, you name it. Why? Because there's not one place that Jesus Christ is not victorious. There's not. And if there's not one place that Jesus is not victorious, when I step into inheritance, I'm stepping into Jesus. He is my inheritance. And therefore, I inherit victory. His victory is my victory. There's not a single place that you can list to me that Jesus doesn't have total victory. And he wants that victory to manifest in our life, not in the future when we get to heaven, but right here, right now. (laughs) And I'll say this, to the degree that we're walking in victory right now is the degree that we're accessing our inheritance on earth. Does that sound like I just gave you a task to accomplish? 
a job to do because I am not. A religious spirit would take that and would twist that and would imprint it onto you and say, you have to be victorious in every area. Otherwise, you're not walking in your inheritance. I want us to understand that is not what is being shared this morning. What is being shared this morning is that Jesus brought to bear on every area of my life will result in victory. I might have to persevere until I have hope. But my hope is not in the situation changing. My hope is in Christ. And if my hope is in Christ, I persevere until hope arrives. Arriving in hope and then I walk out that place of victory. If I hear it in a religious way, what I'm going to hear is this. Hey, that preacher guy up there said that every single area of my life, if I'm walking in my inheritance, I have to be walking in victory. So what is my solution? I'm going to take every area where I'm not walking in victory and I'm going to go, hey, sweet. Because why? Because the religious response is if you have a place where there's not victory in your life and inheritance equals victory, I should therefore hide the places where I don't have victory and I will go through my life like this. How are are you doing? Good. Total victory. I am victorious. (laughs) Yeah, victory, so much victory, I don't even know what to do with it. I am victorious muchly. My champion, he's victorious. We write songs about it, but what we're actually doing is we're buying into a lie that says, You know what? Inheritance is just another thing that's about performance. Only show the places where you have victory and hide the ones where you don't because that's what what inheritance really looks like. And I want to tell you this. That's not true at all. What it really looks like is, is if there's places in our lives where we don't have total victory, where total victory hasn't manifested itself yet, what we need to do is be able to say, there it is. There it is. Not hide it and fake it until we make it, but actually invite God and say, okay, God, if my inheritance is victory, then I need to actually bring the places that aren't experiencing victory to you because you are the victorious one. You are going to manifest victory in this place in my life. I don't want to be determined by fear anymore. I don't want to be determined. I don't want to have my life and my choices determined by shame anymore. I don't want to say on a Sunday morning, I believe in you. I believe that you're a miracle working God. I believe that you're faithful. And then as soon as I get home and open a bill, I freak out and panic. I don't want that anymore. And I'm tired of hiding and I'm tired of pretending. My inheritance is victory because my victory is in Christ. And I'm tired of hiding things from you. I'm tired of hiding things from other people. Because the only way I'm going to ever experience victory is to actually be honest enough to say, here it is. Here it is. No more hiding. No more shame. Shame wants us to deny. God wants us to say, I am only pointing this out, not to shame you. I am only pointing this out because that's where I'm about to work. This reality that we get to have as our inheritance is that we get to take these places of of whatever it might be. My life and my list would be different than yours, but whatever the list would be, fear and shame, and I come to to this bank of, of my inheritance and I go and I, and I, and I deposit this. And I go, here, I, I've brought to make a deposit today into my bank of the supernatural inheritance of Jesus Christ, branch one. And I, and I deposit this. And they go, what do you have for me today? What are you going to deposit in here? Um, fear and shame. Great. Uh, how much do you have? This is, I have a bunch more in my car. <laughs> and then there's some at home. 
And then there's some at my parents' house because that's where it started. Uh, <laughs> and, I make this, and I make this deposit. And the way that our inheritance, our victory in Christ works is that he takes the rags. He says, here, give me. Deposit that fear and shame. Give it to me. Deposit it into me and watch what my grace that is sufficient for you. Watch what happens. And he takes that fear, that shame, that whatever, whatever it is, if we bring it to him and we deposit him. And I said in first service, I said we go to the ATM and everyone laughed at me because we don't really go to the ATM. Um, but when you go to your phone to pull out your cash out and to make, <laughs> to make, a, to make a withdrawal, you're not withdrawing from, from your inheritance. You're not withdrawing what you're depositing. You're not de- withdrawing fear and shame. You're withdrawing hope and joy and victory because this is the way that it, that it works. When I bring this lie that I've been living and believing in and letting it dictate my life and I give it to Jesus Christ, everything that he touches, he restores. Everything that he gets his hands on, he makes new. And when he gives us, when we give him our rags, our brokenness, our fear, our sin, our shame, he takes it and then he gives back to us grace. His grace is sufficient. And he wants to give us victory in that area. So my challenge is bring the places that you would be tempted to hide. Bring those to him. He's not pointing them out to shame you. He's pointing them out so that we know where he's about to get to work. Bring those to him. Let's make that exchange. And then when we withdraw from heaven, when we say, oh, God, download your truth into me, he's pouring out love and power and authority and identity. You are a son. You are a daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. And we get that deposited into our life. And then we begin to live from that. And our, and our, instead of our lives being full of guilt and shame or whatever it might be, when we withdraw our inheritance, we fill ourselves up. Not for us. Like, look at me. How great am I? Get, let, me just, let me write a book. We, <laughs> we get this download of inheritance. Inheritance is never for us. It's for us to give away freely. Freely you have received, now freely give. That is the commission that we get. Our inheritance is to give away powerfully, mightily, so people can have a revelation of the king and his kingdom and come into knowledge of him. That's what our inheritance is for. So this is what I want us to do. I'm all done. I want to uh, invite this uh, worship team to come back up here and lead us for a few minutes. And... um, We're going to open this communion table for you to be able to make an exchange. What is it that you're bringing? What is it that you're carrying? What is it that you're hiding that the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you today? He wants to receive into himself today, and he wants to exchange and have victory. So you walk out of this place knowing that is no longer my life, no longer my identity, no longer my truth. My life, my identity, my truth are in Jesus Christ, and I walk and carry victory. Make that exchange. It's not just a really neat thing to talk about on Sunday morning. This is a supernatural transaction that takes place in our lives every day, and it is real. And that's what I want us to be able to do as we take communion this morning, remembering the completed work of Jesus, receiving it, and actually walking it out. All right? So I'm not going to lead you guys in communion. We're not even going to hand it out. We're just going to make those available to you. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your heart to him, come and talk to me. I'll be right over here. I'd love to pray with you, take communion with you, begin that journey with you. But if you know Jesus, you're walking with him. Communion is for us to remember the completed work of him and to believe in a supernatural exchange that's taking place. So let's do that for a few minutes.